Anyway, I feel like we should stop. Yeah, now we're honestly. done. Yeah. Um, now we're just I'm probably going to cut. I'm probably going to cut that whole part out. That's okay though. Yeah. We had a good episode up until 11 minutes ago. How dare you? I don't know. I'm 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 self conscious because I've had too much to drink and. Oh, I've just been bitching. It stops making sense, and you're just bitching, and I'm just bitching, and nobody cares. I think our first hour four was really good, though. Use this at the front. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's a good idea either. <laughs> what? Just I was bitching. You were bitching. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like just that. Clip. Just that clip. Sure. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. Fine. And then that's end it. Good... End it right here. That's just an incidental effect. Oh. I can't cross my legs and lounge when I'm sitting directly underneath the table. So today I'm sitting parallel, sort of, to the table because I'm trying to chill, bro. And I can't do that underneath. My legs are too big for a table. What? If I cross my legs under the table, oh, it shakes everything. Oh, I can't. A... I can't move around. I'm much more comfortable you mean in you this can't position. Just do like a good, you know, tight no. cross like this. No, I'm a good eight inches taller than you. We have to keep that in mind at all times okay. that you are five five. <laughs> I hate you <laughs> so much. Um, uh, how's my tiny manlet co-host doing? Fuck you. <laughs> How are you today? I mean, I guess I shouldn't wear the shoes that I. I ordered online in front of you because they literally have like. Are almost... they tiny elf shoes? Are they pointy? <laughs> they almost <laughs> literally have like platforms because it's like a like a stack like. Oh, you need lifts shoe. like Robert De Niro and The Irishman. Sure. Yeah, you know they put that on short actors. And your fearless leader. Really? Does Trump wear? He's lifts? got lifts. Yeah. No, he does not. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He's got uneven legs, so one of them has a lift. Picks or did? Oh, he has an uneven leg. Well, he's disabled, and we don't like to shame on this podcast. So, well, medical lifts are different than lifts for manlets like you. Okay. This station brought to you by manlets like you. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you besmirch the name of PBS? Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm t- I'm really Elmo's t- home sh- oh, shan't be. Uh, besmirched in any way shape or form uh, i'm really tired today i gotta tell you i feel like really exhausted kind of oh not tired because i'm hungover not tired because of depression i've been working i've been working out and uh-huh. day five has got me feeling a little bit beat you know what i'm saying Listeners, please write in and explain the idea of allowing for the lactic acid to uh, be washed from your muscles and that you need to give yourself rest days. Well, I'm going to give myself a rest day tomorrow because it's supposed to rain. Oh, okay. Well, it's a reluctant one, but I'm going to be forced to do it. Ah, very good. But I don't, you know, the thing is, I used to exercise five to seven days a week and it was no problem. But after a few months of core... I've got computer body, hmm. and uh, I need to work on that. So, you know, no pain, no gain. Sure. You know? 
speaking of pain and gain, I was, uh, you know, I've also been eating clean for the last five days. You're aware of this. Trying to only eat around 1,300 calories a day, which for a man my size is part of the reason I'm out of energy, I think. Yeah, that's that's less than I was given as a suggestion. And then after one day, I went, get wrecked. I'll eat what I goddamn want. I'm eating one 400-calorie meal and then one 900-calorie meal. That's basically how I'm structuring it. But I was saying about pain and gain. Uh, last night, the other thing, real quick, the other thing I'm trying to do is make a really conscious effort to eat well before I go to bed. Huh. One of the worst things you can do is eat within a couple hours of going to sleep. Uh-huh. So I'm trying to keep it to like four or five hours before I sleep. Oh. Eating oh, dinner. Oh, like well is in a, a, a time measurement, not quality. Oh, yeah, yeah. E- well before as in yeah. time, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but last night I was up watching a movie... And I wasn't that into it, and it was creeping towards 1 a.m., and I was starting to feel some tummy rumbles. Mm-hmm. And I kind of took a note from you. I've learned from you that if you have a craving, it's best to simply admire the food, <laughs> that you that you don't have to eat it. So oh, you just looked at a snack? I went on The Rock's Instagram, and I started looking at all of his cheat his day cheat pictures. cheat meals? Yes. Okay. Those are not snacks. They, Those will kill... Normal men. I mean, look, I'm I'm aware of them. I'm a big fan of The Rock's Instagram, but I needed a reminder. I hadn't looked at it in a while. My God. Uh-huh. Those things are gargantuan. Uh-huh. I looked at one where he ate um, sourdough French toast, which, by the way, no. sounds delicious. Disgusting. Covered in peanut butter and maple syrup. Yeah. Each loaf was like the size of a head. And I'm not joking. Like the size of a human head. He had two of these. Oh, it was the slices that were two inches thick. They're, they look like they're four inches thick because they were up against half of a cheesecake. He eats half of a cheesecake as if it's a slice. So you can see oh, the scale. That I understand. And it's very impressive. Um, and then I was looking at BuzzFeed-style top ten lists of The Rock's Best Cheat Days. Okay. Uh, one of which included uh, four pizzas and 21 brownies. And then there was one other thing that I can't recall. Whole now. brownies or yeah, the, two-bite brownies? No, no. They showed up plate that was piled at least a foot and a half high of brownies 21 brownies on it huh i mean also think i could do that you could probably eat 21 brownies that's my favorite rap rock band. <laughs> <laughs> uh i'd get through five and then i'd be yeah yeah be like no more you know the dirty no secret more. that i learned it betrayed me the rock betrayed me huh is that sometimes he doesn't finish those cheat meals Oh. He posts them as if he eats them all, but then really he doesn't. Like one time he posted a picture of a plate of cookies, but he only ate five of them, and then he gave the rest to his crew on whatever movie. Oh, well, well, yeah, because it's all cater scale. So, you know, or if it's home chef, home chefery, if it's at home, they're like, well, I don't know how to make five. Right. I need to make an entire batch here. So Yeah. Do you think he has a home chef? I mean, I guess he's rich enough. He probably does. Oh, yeah. Do do all rich people, like, if you have more than $100 million, do all rich people at that level have an in-home chef? Why would you not? I guess, why would you not? But I don't know. You get to hire someone. It's their job. And their only job is to cook for you. That's honestly, like, that makes being mega rich worth it. Like... That's the one thing. I could take or leave all the cars and boats, but, like, a big house with a person that just cooks for you... Like, they come in at whatever time, like, say, 7 in the morning, 
They can even leave during lunchtime. I can fend for myself at lunchtime, but just cook me dinner. I don't give a shit. Go do other things. Well, I have a feeling that these multimillionaires, for the most part, are very busy people. They're probably not home for lunch. So that's oh, being taken yeah. care of. But I bet you're right. They come in at 7 in the morning. I've always wondered how or this works. Or even just cook me dinner. I don't even give a shit. Yeah, maybe it's just dinner. I don't know. Also would be fine. Because, yeah, it's... I don't know. The thing about house staff that's always been weird to me is, like, their presence would be a little bit disturbing, I think. Especially, like, in the morning. You know? You're just coming into the world. You don't mm-hmm. really want to say hi to Consuela or louise or whoever your chef is and you know you just kind of want to be left alone for a while so you eat a hard-boiled egg and you get on with your day uh, no, maybe but, you know okay. what maybe the chef does meal prep too i bet that's what they do i bet they only come in for dinner maybe even a couple times a week because if they're cooking these huge portions they could also just like like say for, you use for instance like a, a chrissy teigen situation where it's like it's two kids, two adults, and then like nannies. So you're like, okay, I got to cook for six people. Uh-huh. You're gonna start cooking it for like a six p.m. dinner at two. Yeah, wow, that's pretty crazy. If you want it to be good, yeah, you're eating like a Thanksgiving style dinner every day, a dinner that takes hours to prepare. Well, yeah, you're cooking for a lot of people as one person. You don't have like a full kitchen staff. You don't so think they have like... a staff? You don't think they have support staff? They don't have a sous chef that. No. Is a temp worker or something, a gig economy sous chef. He drives an Uber and then he comes in and cuts up green onions. Does or a mise en place for them? No, absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> Why not? From from what I know, unless it's like a commissary kitchen where there's a fleet of people doing mise in like a industrial kitchen, uh-huh. which does happen. Yeah. And but that's not in somebody's like, home. No, that's off-site. And then you just bring your, like, bag-o-deli uh, containers and just start, like, frying some shit up. Also, wouldn't be bad. No. Because you can charge so much money. Hey, did Chrissy Teigen do something bad recently? I can't remember what it was. No, it was but her, I feel her like... versus Alison Roman. What does that mean? Who's that? Alison Roman was... A, she is, a... like, cooking person? Yeah. Cooking writer? Is that right? Uh-huh. For the Times? Was for the Times, worked at Bon Appetit, which is... Going down in something flames. Went, is... Yeah, something went, went wrong at Bon Appetit. Oh, a lot of things have gone what wrong. What happened? Can you tell me? Because I'm only like aware of this in the Echo. So I don't Adam, know the story. Yeah, Adam Rappaport, who worked at GQ for like 15 years, then took over Bon Appetit in, say, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, and he a photo resurfaced of him doing Puerto Rican face. Oh, he dressed as a Puerto Rican baseball player. Yes, Some I saw nonsense, this picture. Yeah. I didn't really understand what was wrong with it, to be honest with you. Well, he's a white guy. and uh... Yeah, but it wasn't like... Again, I, I want to stress because I really want to avoid... I don't know. Ugh. It's not like anybody's going to yell at me, but I, I legitimately, I saw that picture, I think, on, a, on Intellectuals or something, and I didn't know oh. what it was, and I didn't understand why it was funny or what the problem was because everyone was saying Puerto Rican this or that but or really Cuban? it's i don't know he didn't like do brown face it's a little he's got some browns around it's I an guess. it's a shitty like iphone like iphone 3 picture so it's hard to tell right right um but he is naturally the color of this tablecloth oh he's one of your kind he's he's from the islands he, no Rappaport. not the caribbean islands we're talking about the white islands okay off the coast no, of Rappaport uk is uh, that's that's, I don't that's know. closer to your people you think so? Yeah. I don't think Rappaport. No, there's not that many R's in uh, Italian. I guess that's not true either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there's plenty. There's <laughs> plenty of R's <laughs> in Italian. Whoopsie, whoopsie, uh, doopsie. 
I yeah. Um, yeah well, anyway, I mean, way, so I, I just couldn't I couldn't tell what the problem was. To me, he just looked like a baseball player. Yes, there was a little bit of flavor on it, but yeah. it didn't seem like yeah. super bad. You should not, unless you're doing like Elphaba, you shouldn't change the color of your skin for a Halloween. Well, costume. again, I didn't realize he did that because I didn't know what color the guy was. And you're right; it just looked like a tan person. Yeah, and I thought, oh, this is fine. Yeah, he's just a, little, a Yankees player. No, it's a little different. Yeah, you can be like Kate and turn purple for Ursula. But you can't do, like... See, I wonder at what point that's not going to be allowed either. You know any real purple people? Well, you are you know, I'm sure that there's a uh, community of, what, sci-fi gendered people on Tumblr that don't want you appropriating their culture. You okay. Know? Well, I mean... So anyway, the Bon Appetit guy got in trouble for doing Puerto Rican. Well, things. he got fired. Okay. Or he resigned. I don't know. But then it came out later that they were not paying their... Uh, editors of color to appear in the videos that all the hipsters love um and all only the white people were getting paid oh that's weird uh yeah and then today w- another editor of a uh, vine popped up of him dropping the f-bomb uh, oh the gay f-bomb. Uh, yeah 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 so he's he's gone too but was he, he saying it in a derogatory way or was he oh, just yeah. ribbing somebody no he was like calling an employee that or something i don't know it's old so he was like much younger but like he was, like, in college calling someone. Do you know what year it was from? I don't know. Because, honestly, my take is, like, if if it's from before 2014, you're all right. <sighs> like, if, if you're a North Jersey bro, it behooves you not to, like, No, no listen, I mean, bomb. look. It, I think it was also from, like, 2016. Okay, you're, you're pushing it there. I don't think anybody should be canceled for any reason. I want to make that clear. You can say whatever the fuck you want. I'm a First Amendment libertarian. But... <sighs> If you're going to do that, if this is going to be your thing, I'm trying to help people define their lines because everybody needs a little help with that right now. Uh, I really do think you have to let people off the hook, especially millennials like our age. Like you were a young person, A, which you're dumb, so it's okay. I don't know. And B, like honestly, dude, before 10 years ago, let's say, I'll even push it back that far. It was not a big deal at all. Mm. It wasn't. I mean, I heard someone... I'm yelled at, at a security guard at the Home Depot yesterday, and I was like, ah, yeah, nature is returning. Everything's going back to normal. Um, I know, just when everybody thought wokeness was over. Uh, well, and now here we are well, again. Well, the, the main problem is that, like, everyone had a sneaking, uh, like, what my read on everything is, like, all of this, like, very cutesy shit. Like, you know, like, the this is the same thing of, like, calling something a sal, Like, the yes, babification. Yes. Like, this, like, there's always been a suspicion that the cutesifying culture makers were terrors. Secretly racist. Secretly just, like, terrible people. Um, and, like, the power structures that make that are just like, why are we doing, like, you know, like, everyone's like, what the fuck is this? Um, so then you have, like, a, you know, an Alice in Roman downfall, and then you have the Bon Appetit collapse, and it's like, good. Like, this was not going anywhere well. Right. Like, it's, did you wrap ice cubes in foil no no garbage? i did not this is a lime because we don't have any plastic wrap in the house right now we have plates bro what do you mean plates what am i supposed to do with a lime and a plate oh it's an older lime yeah it's a lime from yesterday that i wanted to preserve ah okay i uh, wish you would have just let that pass no, I, don't, I, <laughs> I don't feel like that was a justified derailment of an it interesting l- conversation but it was packed like a hockey puck and i was like are you going to do heroin right now what's going on <laughs> yeah i was i was unpacking <laughs> my stash uh yeah anyway 
Uh, no, I, I, I actually really like what you just said about this, that like the cutesy culture people were always sus in the first place, but nobody knew, couldn't quite put their finger on it. Because it all comes down from like you got these like you get jobs at, at cultural places if you're Caucasian and middling because of connections of money and family shit, right? I would stress the connection of money and family because there's plenty of POC and minority people sexually or whatever that also get those jobs, but it's money and family. It's really nothing else. Well, yeah, but if you're a middling white person, you get like oh, senior you're guaranteed. editor. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like you have to. Fair enough. Yeah, that's the part where it's like, hmm. These people aren't that like, no, no, aren't that interesting or smart. So like, what are the, you know, yeah, how's w- this happening? And it's like, oh, it's just a culture of like racism. And you're like, oh, got it. You know, I, you know, I, it's probably partly a culture of racism. I really just feel like it's a culture of diminishing everyone that isn't you. Oh yeah. You know and, what I mean? That's where the infantilization comes from of like, oh, these dummies will eat up this cooking video. That's for four year olds. Yeah, you know, like, the whole the whole aesthetic or like premise of it is that nobody can be trusted except for people in these positions which are basically like PMC journalistic adjacent types. But like who shop at like the anthropology aesthetic life kind of thing where it's like, yeah, I like kinfolk and you're like you're just so painfully white. <laughs> I don't know, you don't actually have like a point of view and like it's like, no. oh yeah, I like really liked going to this um really authentically uh mexican restaurant have you heard of uh uh dos caminos right they go to calexico like, excuse me yeah which is glorified chipotle glorified taco bell the yeah fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and they're like oh my god it's so good it's just like la and you're like they don't even <gasps> connect it with mexico <laughs> no it's yeah but yeah because i was wondering like at the beginning of when we started talking about this i was about to say like why is this in the news who gives a shit about bon appetit like people our age like it and instagram loves it i get that things are tense right now too and that everybody's looking for whatever angle they can find on pretty much anything to start canceling I mean, it's back to those days it feels like a few years ago where this was like just a matter of course well cancel culture is an overcorrection of unchecked fuckery Mm-hmm. So it's like a lot of this is why it's easy to be like, call it out, say their name. It's like, well, you can, or you just go like, what are we canceling it, or are we actually going to do anything about it? Because like it's right. easy to just like fire one editor, but like do like and Condé Nast replaced it with replace him with uh, uh, a lady of. Uh, I don't. Is she Iranian? But I don't know. Um, sure, we can just we can just say a, a a lady of Crayola or whatever. Just not sure. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and which is fine. But it's like, why? If that's the change you were looking for, why didn't you do this? Because you knew the whole time that this picture existed. Because this was not the first time it was brought to public life. Sure, sure. Like everyone's just caught with their like asses and asses out, and it's like, <gasps> okay. Let's react. And it's like, well, you actually should have been... Like, the main problem, as we're seeing, is, well, you guys doing anything about this long-term, or you just panic in Right. It's an an institutional problem, a systemic problem that is not really being addressed by simply, like, swapping out one identity for another identity. Like, the idea that any issues of racism or whatever are going to be corrected because this happened, I really doubt. Like, maybe. It remains to be seen, but... People I think are getting that, paid, like, but sure. I'm just like, so it's not as if like this is the first time people's like people have been brought up, people have brought up pay discrepancies, 
but it's now it's like if we don't i guess we're fucked and it's just for brand security like this happens everywhere yeah in every company it doesn't have to be media or whatever but it's like let's just pay people and it's just a matter of like shutting people up of like i know you complained about it in the past and we did nothing but here you go and it's like i want more now right fuck you now how bad are you in trouble with the public how bad is your brand in trouble? Pay well, me. and it's just a matter of time until people start forgetting about it. And then, like, the same corporate culture starts to take over again where, you know, times are hard everywhere and you got to start making adjustments to the bottom line. It's like, it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> I mean, help. what did we learn from Vice? Like, you're just going to fire a problematic co-owner, editor-in-chief, and then you're going to get Proud Boys out of it who buy polos from Fred Perry. Oh, yeah, Fuck. yeah. Like, it's just going to go somewhere away from where you see it. Right. And that same kind of culture will boil up, fester, and pop to the surface, just like everything else. That's very astute. That's that's really what I wish, um, for better or for worse, worse, I wish people would think about more, is that you're spawning reactionary culture every time you don't address this on an institutional level and basically put, like, a... Um, PR band-aid on top of it. Yeah. You're just spawning an entire another industry of somebody like Shane, whatever his name is, or Milo, or whatever. Yeah. Like, of course, yeah. Or it's a kind of thing like, oh, we, we hand-slapped someone for being a, a sexual harasser, and it's like, well, they're just going to try and lay low for a while and then come back. Duh. Like, I... I, it's you know I don't know it's back to the question of like where lines are drawn that's why I was joking about that yeah. before is because I don't know I like I find it hard to believe that at Bon Appetit knowing nothing about this situation to be crystal clear I find it very hard to believe that somebody sat down in a boardroom and it was like listen we can't spend all this money on paying people to be in videos let's only pay the white people and not any that's POCs. weird yeah like I like, doubt huh? well the thing is that's a fantasy that people are choosing to believe that never happened. Like, you're delusional if you think that was ever a decision that was made. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. And it's not well, to defend their systemic problems. It's just that you have to realize, like, nobody sits down. I don't believe that most th- people are racist, right? Like, you, nobody you have, sits down and does that. You have to think about this, though. Like, if you're someone who's worked really hard and you're of a lower class and a, a different flavor and you finally get a job at this magical publication or institution, and you're like, I'm just here to, like, I'm just happy to be here. And it's like, that should never be the case. But then you have some Caucasian son of a bitch who's like, oh, you want me to do videos? I need to be paid for those because that's an appearance fee. Right. Because they know the verbiage because they are basically taught, you don't do, someone wants you to do anything, no, they pay you. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's not like loyalty to the brand or like whatever. It's like, no, you, you get paid. Yeah. Whereas for some of us poors, we would just do a lot of free labor. Of course. And then realize later, oh, I'm st- stupid right yeah i mean you hit the nail on the head right there and it, and it's fundamentally unfair that you get to know the lingo if you're just gifted a job or if it's easier for you mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't matter how much nepotism is involved or not Well, if your dad's a lawyer or whatever like i don't know like sure you'll you'll have somebody in your immediate circle that can advise you better at minimum yeah and or you'll just you have leverage yeah. is, is all that there is that's how that happens yeah, yeah. Right. So you it's always you always have to realign like incentive structures, but nobody ever talks about or thinks about it on that level. But the weird part is like if someone goes I'm not doing these videos without getting paid, it's like what person brokering that deal goes, "All right, well, okay, so just don't tell anybody but we'll pay you." 
like what like the realization should have been oh you're right we didn't a lot we didn't think about that let's pay anyone who does these well and i think that the more like libertarian or what i don't know i don't want to even put it politically i think there's another side to the argument which would say that like anybody regardless of identity has agency why don't yeah. you just speak up once you realize that you're not being paid and other people are why don't you just say something yeah now that's reductive and simplistic but like there is something to that you could just do that do you really think they're gonna fire you like i don't think in like a very liberal corporate culture that oh, they would ever can. fire you they, they would shame you they might not like you anymore this happened at refinery 29 it did explain like two days ago i don't know all the days blur together uh someone was like because it was basically like a series of hey anyone who had a shitty time in media everybody speak up because like this is what media loves to do is talk about itself yes exactly so i'm like okay here we go on a fucking ride um and someone explained like they brought up an hr issue to blah 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 and then they heard like like side chatter like oh we're gonna take her down and then she had wow. to correct one story, like, because there was a date wrong or something, and they just fired her. Right. They'll just look for an excuse at that point. Like, get, it, yeah. So it doesn't appear as retribution for right. not sitting at the, like, cool kids table. Yep. Yep. And it's like, well, and all those, speaking of media, all those girls were those girls in high school. Sure. Yeah. Basically. And college. Bitchy tattletales, essentially. Of like retributive assholes, like yeah, I, you know I don't. It goes, but it's ungendered. Truly, it's just like I don't like that person. Don't know why I want him. I want him gone. And you're like, eh, why? It's like I don't know. I don't like the cut of their jib. And you're like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a, there's I like a lot to of that. Get rid of people when I have a deep personal gripe against them that I. Well, those people would say the same thing about their like intra elite struggle around who has a dumb media job in a YouTube video. You know, to them, it's that ins- that essential. That's what frustrates well, me ego, about it being yeah. a news story is like, this is not any, no one should care about this. This is basically people doing their corporate HR in public on social media for some reason. <laughs> it's well, that it's means really that, annoying. Truly what that means is that their HR is useless and yeah. is just there to protect shareholders. Well, that's, you know, there you go. Which, that That's a possible solution is that like HR departments, you know, this is interesting. Like in the same sense that people, um, are talking about how the police can't uh, control themselves or... Ooh, did you watch that meltdown? Uh, I did not. Let me finish this Ooh. real quick before Ooh, we get to that. Tasty. Um, in the same sense that, like, the in- internal... What's it called in the police department? The Internal Review Service or whatever? IAB. Yeah. Internal Affairs Bureau. The, in the same sense that internal affairs can no longer be reasonably expected to, like, hold their own force accountable, I think mm-hmm. corporate HR departments are kind of the same thing. And it would be interesting as, like, a method of institutional change to say that, like, corporate HR should be a third party or something, which sometimes it is. I realize that that exists, sort of, but that that should be, like, codified legally, that, like, corporations do not handle their own human resources, that maybe that's a state thing, maybe that's a uh, third party thing, whatever. I think if you make it a third party thing, the problem is profit. They'll still be incentivized in the same direction. It has to be governmental, but... I know several things about this, so... Uh, a lot of times most HR is just doing not even generalist work. It's just doing like benefits administration. 
Yeah, exactly. That's what ADP and all those with companies a, do. With, a, with a, a little side thing of like, did we violate the law by what, what we're doing or what you're going to say? It basically amounts to once a year, everybody has to watch a don't rape people training video. Good touch, bad touch. Yeah. Um, well, that and it's, yeah, and it's like, I don't know. There's some HR people that I know who are like, you have to do everything like in the best benefit of your employee. And I'm like, excuse me, what? And they're like, it's going to protect you in the end. I was like, there we go. That's what, that's what I was thinking that conversation was going to be. But they're like, do everything you can first. And then we can figure out what will make it legal on our end. I'm like, huh, interesting. But then there are some HR people who are like, oh no, here's the legal way and fuck you if you don't do it. Cause I will kill you. And you're yeah, like, yeah. Well, why? Because they're like, because arbitration costs a shitload of money and I'm not doing that. And I'm like, oh, because you sign arbitration agreements for large corporations who are thinking of going public in the near future. Oh, so sure. if you have grievances, you can't, you have to go through that before you can do class action. I, I'm familiar with that. And in a lot of cases, you can't do class action. But I, No, if you sign an arbitration agreement, you, you cannot. You are barred from it. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing that should be hyper illegal. But anyway. It's insane. Yeah. You should have the right to refuse them, but That's, a lot I mean, of times like, you cannot refuse them. I, I don't remember I don't remember why. It was it was at the height of the Bernie fervor earlier this year, but I was kind of looking into that for some reason and it's like that is not a thing in Europe, you know that. Like there is no such thing as doing arbitration. Basically yeah. having like an extra ju- judicial way of handling it, labor disputes with your employer. That's not a thing in other places. Yeah. It's well, kind of mind-blowing, but um, you you um, you were bringing up an incident before, though. What were you talking about? What did you see that blow up or whatever? Oh, the presser with the chief of the PBA, where he fully melted down screaming. PBA Professional Bowling Association. What are you I talking wish. About? So I mean, he looked like it. He's very round. Um, no, the head of the. Police... I heard you drew a firearm during league play. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that's from, but okay. <laughs> um, Lebowski, baby. Ugh, anyway, what are you talking about? Is the, that is that Pittsburgh? What no, you, New York. P, what's PBA? Police Benevolence Association. The <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing, but that's very hyper normalization. That's, that's well, a that's, scary organization. No, that's their uh, pension people. Okay. That's like the okay. that's the uh, union, uh-huh. the PBA. Okay. Okay. Um, wow, but that, that's a very surreal phrasing, name. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, oh boy. What? So what happened? There was like a dust. He up. fully melted down at a presser. He's like, "They're calling us animals. They're taking away our rights." And I was like, "Huh, huh? Doesn't feel weird, huh?" Yeah, huh. you know, interesting. Um, I did you feel not, bad, sir. I did not huh. see that, but I've been thinking a lot about police unions lately. Also listening and reading things about it. Yeah. Um, But it's a really weird circumstance because, you know, in my opinion, and I think a lot of, like, you know, left-leaning people's opinion, unions are almost universally a good thing. Like, you want that in every industry, right? But the police have made their unions into a way to turn every transgression that they do to society into a labor relations problem. Yeah. Like suddenly you ban chokeholds and now you've made it less safe for us. Uh-huh. Or so you now we want us get... to carry yeah. lower caliber guns or no guns at all. And now you've made our workplace safety a problem. Like they've so turned we'll strike because we want guns, please. They've like, turned excuse. unions into a weapon for like their brutality uh-huh. rather, rather than use it for their bargaining rights. I mean, they do that too. And there's an interesting conversation going on where it's like, well, what power should police unions have? Like, 
they should be able to negotiate for their wages and stuff, I think. But, like, you should not be able to negotiate against, like, residentiary requirements or, uh, you know, if the population at a city level or whatever level votes to do something about your armament, you should have no say over that. But the police unions have complete say over that, more or less. Well, when I was a, a wee kid, yeah. there was a, na- a neighbor across the street, above a, I don't know, um, who was a Cleveland police officer, but he had to live within the Cleveland limits. That used to be a thing. And yeah. what happened to that? Everybody said, fuck that? I, I can't quite put my finger on the exact timing of it, but it was around 20, 30 years ago in most places. But it went municipality by municipality where they started to abolish that. Because huh. as white flight started to happen, especially from inner cities, there was no longer a reasonable, in their minds, that's not me saying this, there was no longer a reasonable expectation that your officers could live within your bounds. Because think about, Cleveland's actually a really good example. Cleveland went from being a a city with a population around like 3 million or something to less than a million Mm. from like pretty much 1970 to 1990. Yeah. And so they said, well, we, well, A, we can't make black people police officers or they don't want to. So where are we going to get our police force from? Of course, we have to do it from the suburbs. And this happened Uh, in a lot of places. It had to do with, like, de-urbanization. It's an mm -hmm. interesting problem now because the situation's been kind of reversed where ostensibly the cops should live in their urban environments, but they still don't as a result of that previous flip. Yeah. They live on Long Island or whatever, if you want to use here as an example. So that's what's going on, yeah. Huh. That's weird. Um. But yeah, you used to have to live in the community that you policed for obvious reasons. Like, it makes you familiar with the people that you're going to brutalize if you have to. Well, also, like, you don't have to use, like, ways to get around. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a lot of, like, oh, you're where? I don't know where that is. Like, at, when I worked in finance, I'd be like, oh, I'm, let's meet here. And they're like, I don't know where that is. I'm like, well, the fuck do you not know? That's in your... That's... That's in the area two you're blocks su- away from your precinct. You're like, patrol. Uh, I don't know. I'm right. like, the fuck? You don't know where Donut Plant is, and it's a block away from the station. The fuck's wrong with you? I want a donut. Wow, we're I th- going. I there. thought cops had the power of dogs to sniff out donuts. If anything, well, they're artisanal donuts, so maybe mm, they mm-hmm. they don't have the nose for it. Oh yeah, we don't like a hibiscus donut. I do. We want a goddamn glazed donut to dunk in our too hot Dunkin' Donuts coffee. To scald. And then it burns our mouth and gives us more reason to pepper spray somebody. Oh, boy. (laughs) Anyway, no, no, like, I'm with you. I mean, you know, the the geographical part of it, it does have broader implications, but that's relatively minor. I think it's more the idea that, like, you should be policing your neighbors. You should be a fixture of the community. You know, the whole idea is that you help people right that's the of course goal well ostensibly but of course not anymore yeah now it's just me have stick me well right and like i mean think think about it just from a tourist perspective like think Mm. about when you and i drive out to montauk or whatever and it's like you're not familiar with that uh place you don't know what the neighborhood vibe is like you don't know what the etiquette is in the community Mm. and you know as a tourist you just do your thing you go to the beach and you try to keep your distance and be inoffensive for the most part right you would never try to ruffle any feathers but if your job is to quote protect those people or just police them you're going to go in there and assume that everybody's a threat you don't know the lay of the land you don't know you know they're they're, they think that they're military people 
So you don't know if somebody's hiding over the hill over there, or I don't know what's up in that house. Somebody could be a sniper in the lighthouse. Yeah, exactly. They all think it's fucking enemy at the gates or whatever. Well, they're all just you know living Red Dead Redemption IRL. They are. It's really bizarre how much that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh, I don't. I didn't post this because I. I don't know. This is funny, though. That's good. We should talk about posting in a second. I think oh, that's a good ooh, topic related. Um, I want to know how many shares of Apple stocks the police pension fund has. Uh, please inform me how many shares they have. 1,251,766. Wow. Which, hang on. The fair value is. Wait, wait, wait. wait stop. I want to guess. So they have one million some shares of Apple stock. I would say that that's worth about four hundred million dollars at least. Two hundred and fifty. Two fifty. So a share of Apple stock right now is worth two two hundred fifty dollars. Two hundred forty-seven. Yeah. Wow, as okay. of June thirtieth, that's not 2019. as much as I thought. I, yeah. I think it used to be more. But yeah. Well. Um, but yeah, you know, you know what I heard that they I got actually... a lot of Microsoft. Uh, oh, I'm sure they do. J.P. Yeah. Morgan. Not many Facebook Class A's, which is surprising. Oh, worth, worth a shitload, though. God damn. That's less safe in the long term. I think they realize that. Not Class A shares. There's different classes of I shares. I don't know what that means. They're the safer shares. Sure, but just the company in general. Who knows, you know? Um, mm. What I thought was the most interesting solution I've heard, because everybody's throwing out defund the police and this and that, the best one that I thought would be the most effective is... Police brutality cases should be settled out of pension funds and 401ks. Like, the legal costs for those things should be handled through that, and you would see brutality plummet if they had to pay for it out of their retirement plans. Well, you can have pending charges against you and still retire and get your full pension. Insane. Uh, yeah. yeah. Crazy. There's no, there's no, there is no other job on earth where you could have pending criminal charges and have your job at all, let alone have your benefits at all. That's completely ridiculous. Well, well, no, you can always cash out your like, whatever, like your 401ks, but like, and all the matches are there, but like, it should not be a thing where it's like, well, you just get the money until you die. It's like, well, of course that shouldn't be a thing, but like. I'm not a lawyer, but I honestly think, like, let's say you have outstanding charges and you're about to get fired, so you cash out your 401k. If you get, um, if you are found guilty of those charges, that 401k cash out doesn't belong to you anymore. No. You can't do things, I'm really struggling to phrase this, but you cannot do drastic things like that in proximity to an open criminal case and retain your rights. But you can't. But you can if you're a cop, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's 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 a it's interesting, and you know you're around a, a fishy cop if if you're like, yeah, this is a very you know when you're selling finance things, yeah, you know this is very secure if you're ever like in a lawsuit because then this money can't be touched, and they're like, if they if their eyes perk up, or if you go, you know, or in a divorce, this is only yours, and they're like, ooh, it's like, oh, so you beat your wife too, right. Got it. Or, well, maybe not, but it's just like you're just assuming that your relationship is going to go sour. You're not canceling out the idea that you would ever, like, murder somebody incidentally. Like, mm-hmm. the, I don't know. Yeah, that that one Ecuadorian cop used to told me stories of how she used to rough people up in bed when she was a rookie. Right. And I was like, huh? 
okay, blue contacts, get the fuck out of here. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, you know, um, my boss when I worked at the New Museum was former NYPD. I think I've told you about this like long oh, before yeah. we started the podcast. But he had a lot. He had a lot of crazy stories. And um, I remember in that era, I saw Serpico for the first time. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah. Um, really good movie. Nineteen seventies movie starring young Al Pacino about a, a basically a good cop who is tired of all the other cops like being corrupt and being on the take and. Mm. you know tries to go to internal affairs but they won't settle it so he starts to settle it himself it's basically oh. like a superhero vigilante thing but around in NYPD. so he's he's uh, watching the watchman he's trying to watch the watchman but like the pressure on him from the rest of the department like nobody trusts you anymore if you try to be on the straight and narrow yeah and then you know so but i remember asking this guy pat about Serpico and he was really reluctant to talk about that era because that was his era late 70s 1980s NYPD and he was such a nice guy and I've told you before he was legitimately one of the best bosses I've ever had he was just like kind and good and like by the way completely he was a white guy but completely unracist person most of the um most of the staff at the new museum were people of color black people basically poor black people from the bronx and he was the best i mean he was not a bad dude Mm -hmm. um but he was really reluctant to talk about that era and knowing what i knew of him in spirit right that Mm -hmm. i could just sense that he was a good guy that even he was corrupt in the 70s and 80s it lets you it lets you it lets you know how much of an impact just the culture of a work environment can have or yeah. just, you know, the economic conditions were worse then. Like, there's a lot of ins and outs to it. It, it. Nobody wants to sympathize with cops right now, and I'm, like, not saying anybody should do that. But thinking about it from their perspective, it's not that hard to understand why they f- feel threatened. Well, the old dudes just passed it down. They uh, passed know, down the fear and shit. I think that I think that that's some of it. Yes, like I think the officers in a police department are definitely responsible for uh, sending like a threatening message down to their uh, enlisted yeah. people. But also, like culture is against them. They are right about that. It was against them before and during all of their transgressions. So they see no reason not to heighten it. I see the fear no. in you. I'm really not trying to like make this a, a problem, but. <sighs> I just think it's interesting to think about, like, if you're see, you know, your job is to protect people and everybody that's soft inside likes to think, well, why don't you do that gently? But, like, you're also going into houses of people who have been killed by their own hand or you're you're seeing I don't want to get into it, but you're seeing like gore and you're seeing the worst of society at all times that will change the way your brain works, you know, but. Yeah. It's not justified. But like th- they're they're not justified in being brutal, but I can see why that's easier. But this is very Sopranos in that way that like it's like there should be structures to have like counseling available, like they should all be in therapy. Like, you know, PTSD is real and some of them who are mo- like a lot are ex-military too, yeah, so it's yeah. like, well, you have some things you've never worked out and now you're working it out in a safe space. So what's going on? You know, but that that relates back to the workplace culture or whatever you want to call it. But you don't want to be a pussy and go to therapy. Well, maybe you are over that on a personal level. But at the same time, if you admit that you might have some PTSD and you need some counseling, you're going to get taken off the beat. 
Yeah. And that's your whole life. Like, but, you know, you should. Also, who, who doesn't want a little break? Yeah, but it's not a little break. It's like, but then it's like you're, you're going to ride the desk, the desk yeah. for the rest of your life. And maybe some people are fine with that. I'm sure that there's a lot of cops that are. Yeah. Oh, there's old, like people who are like five years out there. Like, I love sitting at the front desk answering the phone. I'm like, you do? He's like, I'm fucking getting paid and I'm doing nothing. I'm like, okay. Point taken. I I see your point. I not questioning it. Yeah, dude. Sounds good to me. Like that's the kind of job I've always wanted where you don't have to think. And you're not really responsible for anything. Well, this is what they do, though. They work from the age of, like, 25 to 45 and then take a career like Pat did in something security, excuse me, security thing, or they become FDNY Yep, for, like, another 10 years. As long as you're stocky and healthy, you can do that, yeah. Oh, you could be fully out of shape and be a uh, fire person i don't think that's true i honestly you can be more out of shape as a cop you can't be out of shape as a fire department person no way they love chain smoking cigarettes which is ironic well they're under a lot of stress it's the same as the military but you you can't climb up an eighth floor walk up to put out a fire on the roof you can only like hold the hose they literally can't do the job yeah Yeah. um but you know what i'm saying like you can do those kind of like you can do other things so they'll do another thing for another 20 years until it's proper retirement so they have double pension like real pension then retirement that's why they're rich and then they move to you know that's what pat was doing that's why he had two homes you know yeah yeah exactly but it's insane though that you can only you can work only 20 years and then just be like well i'm set i'm just gonna get more rich yeah well i'm still able-bodied it's like what i mean you know i don't know you're taking two incomes. Whatever. It's well-trod territory, but that used to kind of be the trajectory for most labor. That was kind of the idea, is that you would basically work a very physical or taxing job. It could be mentally taxing, too, hmm. for 20-ish years, and then you would sort of move to the private sector or to an upper echelon of a private sector, if you hmm. were already in it, and basically work as a contractor. Huh. I mean, that's yeah. what people do. Like, you know, it's it's a dumb example, but, like, my friend's dad is a computer programmer this, in the same sense that Ron is. Yeah. And he basically did the same thing. He worked for 20 years for a bank or something and got his cred under his belt, and then he just started consulting for a better firm than what he worked for. Yeah. And now he, like, just travels the world, essentially, on their dime, has a really nice place in Colorado, a nice place in Cleveland or whatever, and... That's what he does. That used to be the model. Yeah. But that requires, like, leverage and good conditions and the ability to bargain, and nobody has that anymore. And no debt. Yeah, exactly. No debt. Because what are you going to do when you're 45 now? You're like, I can't retire. I owe $100,000. Oh, I know. I, I mean... You know, I've been thinking a lot about the second Stimmy, and I was reading about mm-hmm. it last night, and it sounds like it's definitely just not coming. Like, <sighs> they're just not going to do that. And... It's interesting to me because, you know, we might avert crisis for the next 20 years, let's say. Uh But then all of a sudden millennials are joining the AARP, right? That's 32 years. Okay, fine. We might, you know, the United States of America might limp along for 32 years. But what happens when you have a generation that's nearly the size of the boomers, meaning us, Mm -hmm. and everybody still has $100,000 in debt. Yeah. What's going to happen? I mean, like, I, that's that's wild, man. They're going to have to bail that out. And what's interesting about that is that in the same sense that boomers are in charge politically now, well, in 32 years, they're all going to be dead. 
So we will be them. And we oh, will force yeah. that issue. Like, we will get bailed out if this country holds together. We mm. will get bailed out. We'll still be poor, though, so we won't have any sort of voice. Well, so... no, we'll be the people that are voting while the young people don't vote. Oh, well. The classic pattern. Um, they will hold it against us that we are hoarding all the wealth because we never had it, so now we're taking it from you. Like, it, it's a really... Oh, because we'll be like, raise taxes, we don't give a fuck. It's a really perverted situation where ultimately we will end up extorting Gen Z and the generation or two below them and trying to run the same game plan that the boomers ran on us. Like, this wealth is about to run out, we'll just steal it from our children. I feel like Gen Z is going to do the thing where they're going to solve the problem already and it won't be an issue. Because they... Well, game that out for me. Like, what does that exactly mean? I don't know. The memes of not being able to order a side of ranch, but it'll body slam a cop. I'm like, I actually see that for them. They're very afraid people, but they are very uh, loud. Did you see the um, headline that was like, the Department of Defense has been running simulations about a Gen Z interior rebellion? The Zebellion? Well, it's hilarious because like along the lines of what you're saying, like really, if if they are what you say they are... And the Department of Defense is already taking that seriously as a possibility. Basically, what everybody at a powerful level is assuming is exactly what I just said. That the boomers will extort everything until they die. And then the millennials will take up the reins and extort everything until they die. And we're talking about serious insurrection. Not chaotic protests and riots that are disorganized, but we're talking about serious French Revolution shit now. Yeah, but they're going to do it like in five years. No, the, the thing is, they're not going to do that. Like, how many Gen Z people do you actually know? This I don't is, know. I'm too old. This is what's interesting they're to me. They're all 18. I don't want to know them. I have, I have cousins and, you know, just, I guess, online contact with people like this. It's like, no, they're, they're depressed and disaffected. They're way worse off than we are. Yeah. They, they might not have the debt because they were smart enough to realize college is unnecessary huh. in a lot of cases. Well, but their social functioning is so much worse that I cannot imagine... Um, a bunch of spindly incels, like, you know, <sighs> revolutioning in the United States. That's not going to happen. It might. You never know. I don't think so, man. Like, my, my cousin Justin, he, like, decided at a very young age, like, I only like playing video games. That's all I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't even want a driver's license. I will live with my dad forever. I will just play video games and get a job at Amazon or whatever. Huh. Because I Why have didn't no... You just get a Twitch and make money doing that? I think he probably tried to do that. He's a pretty decent gamer, from what I understand. All of his friends are older gamers than him. The only, like, actual social activities that he does, like leaving his house, I mean, Uh are going to gaming conventions and stuff like that. But, like, that's his whole world, you know? And it's not a knock against him. There's an amazing amount of self-awareness about that, but it's incredibly blackpilled. And that's how I see Gen Z is blackpilled. I don't see them insurrecting. I kind of do. The 18 to 24-year-old range people are, like, very, can't do, like, normal things. Like, their basic life skills generally trash. Yeah. But, like, if they feel strongly, they feel very strongly. And they will go to town and do some yelling on a group text that I'm like, um, guys, this is for work. Can you not, please? Yeah, but I think the key thing is that they do it over text. They would never do that in person. They're doing it in person right now. I don't know. Not really. Yeah. It's mostly like 19-year-olds. Yeah, I guess. too old and fat to walk more than five blocks. Maybe. Maybe you're right. I I just, I don't know. I don't see it. Well. 
I think that I think that they're more accustomed to being online and that being online is really reductive. It's a reductive space. It reduces everything to binaries. You're either for this or you're against this and it makes people hostile to each other. So they're accustomed uh, to that environment, but that's virtual. That's cool. not in real life. To circle back, that's more millennial or the one just bef- after us, not the full Gen Z. I feel like there's a buffer. If there's a buffer, we're it, man. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like us, like it's it's very like that media savvy. Like it's either for or against. There's no gray. And it's like, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, th- that's why I was sitting here trying to not defend cops exactly, but like give some lens on like what it might be like from the other side of a situation that is very obviously pretty black and white. Right. It's, but I think we are better as people speaking for that slice of a generation, Mm -hmm. not you and I about wanting some nuance in our lives because we had a taste of the old world, having a memory of pre-internet and, you know, growing up with, like, catastrophic political events like 9-11, et cetera, et cetera. Huh. I think we do have, like, some sense of the world as it could be rather than as it is. And that does lead to a lot of polemics. But, again, it leads to polemics online. I think yeah. if you talk to anybody face-to-face, like we're doing now, it's really easy to have a nuanced conversation. It's not difficult. But I think for Gen Z people, they can't even converse like this. Uh, yeah, but I mean, granted, like, we like to be right as a generation. I like being right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're, like, not about them being right, about what's right, period. No gray. I'm not sure how they could know what that is. Yeah, that's a confusion that I I can't suss out, and I shan't, uh, you know, try. Um... I'm interested, though, in this positivity around that generation. That's an interesting idea because I I see them as blackpilled, like I said. But, like, to feel things. So, like, I don't feel things strongly. So I'm like, oh, you guys actually give a shit. Good job. I don't know. I I don't. You know, what I think is... It takes a lot to light a fire in a mass. This is very interesting. I see this as completely inverted almost. I think that millennials are a lot more repressed as a generation where we like to think we don't see things things strongly or feel things strongly rather but we do feel them strongly um our manner is just a little more dejected no like i actually think gen z's demeanor and manner is so much more dejected i feel like they're having fun with like the world's going to shit let's do this and like it's a little more like joyful in the nihilism whereas for sure, but being joyful in nihilism is exactly why it's blackpilled. Like, you oh. don't want that. I think I think millennials, or I'll just speak for myself, I think I chafe against that a little bit, where, like, anytime I start to feel really blackpilled or really nihilistic, I don't want that in my mm. life. And I try—I I don't succeed, but I try to make an effort to, like, reevaluate that and huh. dig myself out. I always end up blackpilled again, as everybody knows, based on 70 hours of evidence. But, <laughs> but, like, but like, I feel really resistant to the idea of just giving in to collapse or whatever. And I don't think that Gen Z feels that way. I think they think that uh, doom is inevitable. You might as well have fun with it, which is fine for a while. But I wonder what that's going to look like when they grow up. And more and more, I think that the pattern of growing up is the same for everybody. I think they'll kind of end up in a softer place uh, in their thirties. Maybe I don't. I don't even know. Um, they're going to be so fucked. 
Well, again, they are going to be fucked, yeah. In the same like, sense this is that very we were mu- fucked. This is very much like Gen Z looking at, like, 2008 going, oh, they're going to be so fucked. They don't even know. But I feel like that that olive branch was not even, like, past of, like, you guys are going to be so fucked. So sorry. Well, that's the difference. I You just said Gen Z looking at 2008, but I think you mean boomers. Gen X. Or Gen X. Yeah, Gen yeah, X, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sa- same, same diff. Like, like, no Gen Xer was like, you guys are going to be so fucked. No, the, the it weird... It was boomers going, you guys are fucked. Huh. Well, I think that in both of those cases, whether it's Gen X or Boomer, I think that they looked at 2008 and kind of knew that. But, like, Gen X can grok it a little better, but Boomers can't grok it. Like, I don't think that my parents realized how badly they stole from me. Well... I think that they just thought that's the way the world goes and everything kind of works itself out. Like, that's what I always hear from Boomers, is the idea that, you know, it was just kind of hand wave, like, serious historical problems and say like well everything worked itself out for me so it always does that you'll figure something out yeah that's that's what i that's what i always hear but the reality is like no you you stole my future to have two houses and a camaro (laughs) like really oh boy and 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 that that's like probably a hard pill to swallow for boomers but they need to hear it and they don't care and and sorry ron yeah my my worry is that like millennials are going to fall into the same trap and like if there is a historical epic to be redefined it'll be that we don't do that and I, i actually think that's possible yeah i'm actually kind of optimistic about that i don't think that millennials will um extort from younger generations as actively if we can help it Huh. Where I'm negative about it is that if everybody's 60 years old and still has debt, we won't be able to help it and we'll just do it anyway. Well, Self-interest w- always comes first, historically. Yeah. It just does. <laughs> I was thinking about being old the other day. Mm-hmm. And I was, uh, so, I, you know, like, I, I was around a lot of old people in my youth, like in their uh, twilight moments and stuff like that. Yeah, right? as we learned from your funeral home hospice uh, asshole yeah um night watchman of the rectory no that a rectory and a hospice is not the same thing but uh i was i realized i was like i had like a weird like future vision of my elderly self being like wheeled around in a wheelchair just kind of going huh huh and like because for some reason i was on the ver- Let's take this back. I was on the Vermont Country Store website, which is like an old oaky skoky like, but they have like well-made old things, whatever. And I was like, I don't want to be an old person who needs absorbent underwear. If I ever just start piddling, roll me off a cliff. Take me to a cliff, take the brakes off, and just... Dude, I, I really hate to break it to you, but the absorbent underwear comes for everybody. I don't want... I just... Old yeller me. There is, well, literally just go, bye-bye. That's an interesting idea because you're rolling the dice at that point. I feel like absorbent underwear comes in around your mid-60s. I don't want to giggle and then go, ooh, I peed myself. If you're a relatively healthy person, maybe in your mid-60s that starts to happen, maybe later. But if you want to be old yellered at that point, you are sacrificing potentially 20, 30 more years of life. That's fine. If I'm like barely sentient to like make sentences well that's like, huh? this is what i'm trying Ugh. to tell you is that that's not the same thing being barely able to make sentences happens way after absorbent underwear happens oh 
Well, you're going to hit that one first. Huh. So that's a real decision to make. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. I think roll me off a cliff either way. I get what you're saying, but like, you know, I, if I start losing any facility, yeah. Well, bye. Well, I don't know, man. I've been thinking about this a little bit lately because one of the reasons I got on my exercise kick these last couple of days and trying to eat better and stuff is like I started breaking out in like weird skin rashes and stuff. Like I have all sorts of skin problems that I've Mm -hmm. detailed before, but like it started happening on my face and like crazy shit where it was just like, this is just because I'm sedentary and not doing anything. Mm -hmm. And so aging happens even now. And if well, you're if you're really I know you're I know you're joshing. But if you're really serious about like I don't want to live beyond a certain capacity, like I wonder when that ever turns off. Like my grandpa's 85th birthday was a few days ago mm-hmm. and I called him on his birthday and said, "Hi, you know, what's going on?" And the worst part I think about aging is that you never feel old. You still feel young. Huh. And I think that that continues. I feel that at 32. Oh, I think I feel I'm old. I think I'm going to feel that way. Well, I feel old in some ways, but your mind and like your spirit stays the same kind of. Oh, yeah. It's not oh. that there's no personal growth. It's just that your vitality, like whatever your human energy is, it stays. And so you'll be 65 hmm. and you'll be in the absorbent underwear. Thinking I'm 26. And you'll think like, I'm not that different than I was. Why does everybody see me this way? And you'll even be able to look at yourself in the mirror and not grok it. I mean, I already have no hair, so, like, whatever. Yeah, I know. I Cross know. that threshold. There, there's, a, there's aesthetic things or whatever. Like, it's not that it goes without knowledge. But I had a clear image of myself with, like, jowls and, like, liver spots. And I was like, oh, fuck. Well, dude, that's going to happen. And, and I, I can almost guarantee you that when you're at that stage, you won't want to die. Mm. That's the worst part about being a human. Hmm. Again, I see it in my grandpa, like, he's 85. He's lived longer than most people should, right? That's not that crazy anymore, but that's pretty extreme when you... It's only... 77 is the average death year of a male. Right. Well, dude, think about how fast years go by in your life right now. (sighs) And then think about how fast they go by between 77 and 85. Slow. No. Really? I'm sure that years click by, like, days at that point. Hmm. Well, you're sleeping most of the time. Regardless of what you're doing, I mean, that's not going to feel like that much time. And even if you live to 90, that five years is going to go by really quick. Hmm. And watching someone like that on the verge of death, I've said this to you before off mic, Mm -hmm. is like really pathetic because why be weepy about it? You always imagine, at least in my mind, that like old people, especially greatest generation or silent generation old people being yeah. very stoic you know yeah and watching that happen and it be weepy and pathetic and regretful is what you don't want oh no cutting it off is not the solution because if you mm. reach 85 and you're jowled and liver spotted and absorbent diapy huh you're not gonna want to die i don't know that's the worst part unless i can go out like grammy meagle surrounded by two thirty-year-olds. No dice. <laughs> yeah, it's the year 2065. AIDS has been completely eradicated, yet it makes a coronavirus-style resurgence because of one man. <laughs> <laughs> and his 30-year-old concubines. Oh, God. 
one particular nursing home struck with a fatal blow. Literally. <laughs> you like that? You like what I did there? That was fantastic. I try. 